Hi, I'm Levi from WCF. Before we get into this episode of Faith Foundations, I wanted to take a quick minute to introduce a few other podcasts in the WCF Podcast Network. I am a co-host on a show called A Little Faith, where we explore faith breakdowns and buildups with different people who have very powerful stories to tell. Sam Taylor from Cleveland, Ohio, produces weekly devotionals in Pause to Consider. Think Mr. Rogers meets Fireside Chat. I love Sam's humble style, and I think every episode is fantastic. You can find both of those wherever you get your podcasts or on our website at wcfoundation.org slash podcasts. Also, did you know that WCF sponsors thousands of meals a month for children in India who are unable to afford any food? Please visit wcfoundation.org for more info and donate if you can. Now, here's the show. The subject of this talk is a resurrection. There's a great day coming. Every spring we're reminded of it when the earth wakes up, when the animals come out of their winter hiding places, when the grass turns green, when flowers push out of the ground and blossoms break out. On a warm spring day, we realize the power of the Creator to revive nature after winter sleep. I'm going to talk about a great day coming when the Creator is going to do this on a grand scale, the resurrection of the dead. The word resurrection comes from a Greek word, anastasis, which means a standing again. The essential idea is to stand again after death and burial. It means the revival of a person at the end of time when, as it is said, the graves are opened. Resurrection is associated with the time of judgment, when the righteous will be rewarded and the wicked rejected. This is the biblical teaching of resurrection. The part of the Bible dealing most extensively with the subject is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In this chapter, Paul is arguing for the resurrection of Jesus. He says that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then nobody's going to rise. One resurrection is linked with the other. Jesus must be the first fruit, as he puts it, or the first of many who would rise from the dead. If the resurrection of Jesus happened, then the resurrection of others will happen. If not, then others have no hope of resurrection. Jesus was dead and buried. He was clearly dead. The Roman soldiers tested his body to see if there was life in it. They found none. He was put in a tomb. A great rock was rolled in front of the tomb. Examples of this type of tomb have been excavated in Israel. A rock cut in the shape of a solid wheel is rolled into a channel directly in front of the tomb opening. Even though it may be a heavy rock, it can be rolled in front of the opening by pushing it from behind, but once rolled over the opening, it would be impossible for anyone to move it from within the tomb. At the resurrection of Jesus, an angel came and rolled the rock from the opening of the tomb, and Jesus awoke to a new life. He appeared to others. He showed that he wasn't a ghost. He was solid. They could feel his body. He said, a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see me have. He was real. He was no mere man. The life he had was everlasting life. After appearing to and talking with his disciples for 40 days on some 12 different occasions, he went to heaven. All this gives us some idea of resurrection. If Jesus was the first, then his resurrection should give us a picture of the general resurrection to come. So much for the general idea. Now let's take a closer look. First, the resurrection is a resurrection to everlasting life. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 20 quotes Jesus as saying that those who are accounted worthy to attain unto the resurrection of the dead cannot die any more because they are equal to angels 
and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. The book of Daniel, chapter 12, also says that the result of the resurrection is everlasting life, quote, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. There isn't much doubt as to what Daniel understood about the resurrection. It involved many people waking from the sleep of death, some of whom would receive everlasting life, and some of whom would receive shame and contempt. So the end of resurrection, then, for the righteous person is a glorious everlasting life. That's point one. Point two, what about the body that is raised? What kind of body is it? Is it like the body that was buried? This question was asked in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul wrote, Some will ask, How are the dead raised? What kind of body do they come? Paul answers by way of analogy. He says it's like something that is sown, like a seed of wheat that is planted. The life that springs from that seed is a new life. The seed undergoes change. What is sown as apparently inert breaks forth into a beautiful new creation. Similarly, with the resurrection, the new life is a glorious life. It has a quality superior to the old. The perishable body becomes imperishable. Quoting from this chapter, So it is with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a physical body, it is raised a spiritual body. Paul is contrasting frail human life with a robust spiritual life when the resurrected body is invested with the power of everlasting life. Quoting further from 1 Corinthians 15, For this perishable nature must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then it shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Note that Paul describes a resurrection as the perishable nature putting on the imperishable, just as though one were to put on a new garment. This is not the idea of a disembodied soul. It's the idea of a real physical body receiving the power of everlasting life to transform the body into something new and vital. Paul gives us the same idea in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 3. Paul is saying that he is looking for the return of Jesus from heaven, and then he says, Who that is Jesus, shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned into his glorious body? This is pretty clear. Paul is teaching that the resurrected believer will have a body not only immortal, but one vastly better to be compared to the glorious body of the risen Jesus. Point three, when? When will all this take place? At the return of Jesus. The sequence of resurrection is outlined in Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica, chapter 4. Let me read, But we would not have you ignorant brethren concerning those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, will God bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left unto the coming of the Lord, shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, 
and the dead in Christ will rise first. Here it is then, the answer to when. The answer is at the return of Jesus. Point four. The teaching of resurrection is often associated with judgment. Paul said in Acts 25, there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Jesus said, recorded in John 5, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, that is Jesus's voice, and shall come forth. They have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. There it is then, a moral implication to the resurrection. People are truly accountable to God. A person cannot go around day by day and ignore God. There will come a day when the wrongs of this world will be shown up for what they are. There will come a day when God will judge the secrets of humanity by Jesus Christ. The teaching of judgment deals with the ultimate establishment of justice at the end of the world. God will recognize those who have been faithful and good. The time of resurrection and judgment is the time when God will make all things right and will vindicate his faithful. The biblical passages that I have quoted have given a very literal idea of resurrection. We know that the resurrection comes at the end of history. It comes at the return of Jesus Christ. It contains uh, an awakening of an individual from the sleep of death to life everlasting. This was the great hope of the New Testament believers. When Jesus spoke to Martha about her dead brother Lazarus, she says that she knew that he would stand again at the resurrection at the last day. This was her hope. It was a hope of those in the days before Jesus. Job said that he knew that his Redeemer lives and that he would stand at the latter day upon the earth. Can we accept this literal Bible belief? Doesn't nature make it easy for us to believe it? Every year we're reminded that plants and animals sleep through the winter to be awakened to a new life in the spring. If this be possible, so was the resurrection. It's almost as though God is giving us an annual reminder of its power to restore life from the ground. When Jesus said, as a man sows, so shall he also reap, his remarks applied appropriately to the resurrection. The life we live is the life we sow. The seed that is placed in the ground is the seed which grows. If we sow selfishness, we shall reap emptiness. If we sow love and faithfulness, we shall reap richly. Those who recognize God's great love and who try to live by it will receive great blessings at the time of resurrection. As Jesus said, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. By way of conclusion, there's a great day coming. The resurrection will be like waking up from a heavy sleep to a beautiful new day. The resurrection will be a rising to life eternal with a glorious body, a new body invested with everlasting life, full of vigor, full of life. The resurrection of Jesus is our pledge of resurrection. The invitation now is to be faithful with our eyes on that great day. We have encouragement for our life of faith, knowing that at the return of the righteous judge, on the day of earth's redemption, there will be great joy with those whose lives have been lived in anticipation of that day.